Welcome to Weird Games and Weirder People, a podcast about role-playing games and the weird, wonderful people behind them. Hello, weirdos! This is Jogo Nogueira, and today we have a very special guest, the author of Arc Toon Tabletop Role-Playing Game, a person who loves capybaras, uh, a Manila-based game designer, I'm gonna talk about mementos, and in our chat we talk about many great things, many weird topics. We talk about how was she, how she was weird, uh, how she liked 19th century Russian novels as a, as a teenager, how her engineering gave her this systemic thinking that she uses in game designing, how we use our graveyard of ideas to make our new Frank string creations. We talk about how we embrace weirdness as something that is unorthodox and it's celebrated, how different people play games in different ways, how people in Philippines play, how people in the America play, and we talk about our real experiences in the world, how is making games, how magic is such a weird and, and fantastical thing in RPG that mixes the game world with our real world. We talk about our weirdest games we played and many other weird and, and kind of philosophical things and our love of cats, for example. So it was a really great episode where I learned a lot. Uh, Momento's very insightful and a great artist. I'm, I'm pretty sure you will love the episode too. So listen up and let's get weird with Momento's. Hello, uh, Momaitos. First of all, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to Weird, Weird Games and Weird People. It's so good to finally meet you. And first of all, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Right now it is 9 p.m. My belly is full. I've just been eating with some friends and I've been having a fantastic evening. How about you? Oh, that's great. I'm, uh, for me, it's like 10, p 10 a.m. here. Uh, I had a, a nice breakfast with some toast and, and, and coffee and played some Minecraft with my kids before <laughs> I, I, I got here. And, and it's it's going great. And well, uh, Momentos, uh, first of all, uh, I, I'd like to ask you to introduce yourself, saying who you are, what you do. Uh, I know like a lot of people know you, have an amazing game, doing a lot of success and, and a very award-winning and accomplished artist. But I also like to see how the people who come here Define yourself, introduce themselves, and talk about their work. And if it's not too much, if you can just add any small detail about yourself, any weird detail, the way you like to do stuff or, or dress or how you wake up uh, for to get to know you a little bit better, that would be awesome too. Okay, so thank you so much, first of all, and hello, I am Omiros. I am a Manila-based game designer, illustrator, and layout artist. So my most popular games have been one of the polygons top in the RPGs, that would be Orc, but I've also made games about the power of magic, arcana, and hubris, um, the cost of legacy, and even capybara capers. Uh, you may also know me as the person who loves capybaras a lot and retweets them a lot on social media. I have a strong fondness of them, and I've even been on Japan to pet one in person. Oh, do you mean uh, capybaras? Do they have them in Japan too? Yes, they actually love ah. them in Japan. They're in zoos. 
Oh, nice. We, we have a lot of them here in Brazil, like a Amen. lot. <laughs> and I, I didn't know they, they, they had the, them other places in the world. That's that's nice to know. Uh, now I'm asking, where are they originally from? Do, do I Were they always here? Or were they always there? Or do you know anything about it? Since you, you like them, do you know where they're originally from or they're normally from multiple parts of the world? I think it's definitely South America. Um, I believe in all South American countries except Chile. Oh, nice. Oh, what 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 have you been doing here? What where what brought you here in South America? Oh, uh, admiring capybaras in South America. <laughs> nice. <laughs> But yeah, I've also known a lot of really um, creative designers in South America. Like RPG yeah. Lata was really an amazing force and inspiration. Oh, nice. Uh, do you have any any artists or creators that you really look into or you admire their work here from, from Latin America? Um, I really admire uh, Guillermo Gontijo's layout design, yeah. virtual artistry, and also his game design chops. It's really amazing, really impressive. And I admire how uh, very industrious and diligent Cesar Capetli is, how he manages to keep creating innovative systems, whether it's small or big. And that kind of creative output is something I'm really jealous of because I tend to be quite slow in releasing my game. So uh, it's something that I wish I could improve on. Yeah, yeah. Cesar Caplash is like a machine. He's always making new stuff. Yeah. Like it. As I'm starting to get uh, to know one of his games, he learns another one and another one. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and I, I really should have him here someday to talk about how he manages to do like so much. And, and everyone is not like a new game. It's like a, a new iteration of the previous one. It's like completely new and something yeah uh, how he can how he comes up with with this is, is really impressive to me yeah yeah <laughs> uh uh Mamitos, do you do you consider yourself uh weird and if you do so uh could you say anything weird about yourself i i guess so um i was the person in high school who was really into 19th century Russian novels. So while people were reading like the Hardy Boys, I was reading Dostoevsky and being very anguished of the human soul and being very emo about it. Uh, when I went to college, I was in industrial engineering, a course that I only belatedly learned I did not like. So when I graduated, I said, I don't want to work in this industry anymore and try to become a mainframe programmer. And that also didn't work out. Somehow I became a communications um, associate officer in a different organization. So absolutely nothing from my industrial engineering background is used in my current job. So that's a very weird trajectory. And also I got into game design. I think that makes the weirdest people ever game designers. Yeah, but but do you think the thing you learn from engineering, uh, like creating projects and organizing yourself to build something, did that help you in in your in your work as a game designer? Because you have to plan stuff and and prepare and project and have some idea where you're going to, and and, and the programming things like you made, uh, you make things for for your games with with this, right? Did that help you in yeah. some way as your as a game designer? 
Um, in my industry engineering background, I was actually terrible at the organizing projects okay. <laughs> and the managing timelines. But it did give me a lot of respect for um, systems thinking, trying to see how different bits of the system work together and create an effective output. So I think maybe the trickle down to my game design. Uh, but otherwise, uh, it was mostly um me playing make-believe games as a kid trying to do the on the margins of my math book that really i think inspired my game design journey most of all uh okay yeah i mean i i have some ideas that i am terrible at organization too but i i, I had classes of this in, in graphic design uh college and stuff And even though I'm terrible, I'm pretty sure I would be even worse if I didn't have any of those tools. And even even if I fail to use them, but I, they still there uh, give me uh, some structure. I, I think I, you know I, I I should be better at taking notes and having like a notebook to keep track of what I'm doing. I try and like I use them for a few days and then I forget and then I try again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I have so many planners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and I see a new one, and oh, this is so good! I, sh I should buy one and really use it, and then I use it like for a couple <laughs> of months, and then I travel somewhere and I forget to take it, and then then it's over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's also I also got in the same problem with sketchbooks. Like I would buy them, but I wouldn't actually draw on them because I would either forget or I would be thinking, oh, it looks so perfect while it's empty. Yeah. If I try to draw on it, I'll ruin it. Yeah. I have actually read um, somebody's advice that when you buy a sketchbook, you throw it to the ground, you stomp on it and leave a footprint. So that way it's already imperfect and you can yeah. feel more comfortable drawing on yeah. it. I haven't tried it yet though. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've seen a friend like tossed one into like the, the beach. And yeah. then the pages are that, and and then and then it can he can draw, he can glue stuff on it. And then I remember doing <laughs> like classes, and the first thing we wouldn't draw, you just open various pages and just splash things on it and just uh oh, spray it. <laughs> and then afterwards you can think about drawing, but you have to first of all vandalize your sketchbook, and then you can you can because we lose respect for it because that's that's what happens right we we find this very beautiful sketch but oh the, oh, the cover it's hard book oh yeah. the, the paper is so good and then and we think we have to make something so good in it to compensate yes. oh, the, the sketchbook is it's beautiful so i have to make something beautiful but yeah we have to i'm trying to get more comfortable in making bad art you know i always read about this no make better <laughs> make make shitty stuff and then and then <laughs> so, so you can get better at doing it takes the pressure off i think right yeah, yeah. and i think um that's kind of something you can also apply to game design like if you're starting out um don't stress over making the perfect yeah. stuff nobody makes the perfect stuff make a very shitty game first yeah and just make um, something anything make yeah. something yeah anything. and then eventually you'll get more comfortable you'll have a process but really just make something crappy <laughs> be yeah. comfortable in having imperfections in your work for sure and and one thing that i always say to people oh but i'm I have friends that are making their first game and their first games are like 400, 500 pages book and they never finish because they want it to be perfect. And I always say, no, you, you just have to finish anything. It can be terrible. But if you finish, you can make it better afterwards. You can like the new edition yeah. or you can supplement fixing it. But if you are trying to make it perfect from the get-go, 
you'll never finish because it's never going to be perfect. Always find something you can fix it mm -hmm. and make it better and you just postpone it and postpone it. And you've been doing this for 10 years, you know? And yeah. yeah. That's actually kind of what happened with art. Uh, when we were releasing it for the Kickstarter, up to the very last minute, I was making changes. I was tweaking enemy yeah. stats. I was rewarding things. And like, I think Exalted Funeral was yeah. already asking me for the print-ready files. And I'm like, please wait. <laughs> <laughs> I was still tweaking things. Um, but eventually, I had to say goodbye to my child and say, yeah. okay, um, this is as complete as I want it to be. I'm casting you up to the wild. Be free, yeah. my child. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure if it would finish the game today, it would make things differently. But I mean, done is better than perfect. Like maybe like in five years, you can make our arc, revise it and everything. You would want to change it. But like you have to publish it and, and, and it's perfect the way it is. And it's a, it's, a, it's a picture of how we were doing things at that time. You know, I always like, I see my past games. I, I love them, but I always say, oh, I, I would do it different, but I think they're perfect for your time in some way if, if that makes any sense yeah uh there's also kind of i don't know if this this isn't a original idea in any way but i kind of have in my mind an ideas graveyard where ideas that i don't i wasn't able to polish or complete i just put them in that graveyard and then when the time is right i revive them and then start yeah. working on them again with a fresh perspective. I think the concept is kind of related. Um, you have to be okay with developing ideas and even if they aren't perfect, even if you, it has many flaws, there's still value in keeping it and then maybe working on it at a later time. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, we see, I, I see ourselves artists and, and creators as kind of uh, the Dr. Frankenstein. We have all this more yeah, of nah. dead ideas, like we had years ago, and then keep them in notebooks and and lose sheets on our table. And and sometimes we we get stuck on something and start to browsing this old stuff again, and then they start to connect with each other. Even like one idea you had 15 years ago, and then one like last week, and we as we reread them, you start making connections and something new happens and we, we create a Frankenstein. We get these dead parts and we stitch them together and making something glorious and monstrous, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the power of creation. You get to revive yeah. people. You get to be a necromancer. That's so yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh if you... I, I ask people who come here to try to define weird if they can like what would be weird hmm. for you and why are you interested in, in this or, or not and how do you pursue that in your life and in your work hmm. yeah i think that's really an interesting question how to define weird because the definition of weird will vary from people to people yeah i think for me um weirdness is somehow an attitude of embracing otherness, embracing things that go against mainstream trends, and being open about it, celebrating it. Uh, that for me is an important aspect, the whole being openness and transparency about it. Because if it's weird, but it is ashamed of itself, it's kind of um, not a very good situation to be in. But realizing the fullness of being weird is accepting that it's an other that it is not the normal as society wants it to be and fully accepting that and celebrating it 
Yeah, that's that's great. One of one of the bottles I try to to say here is like weird is the new wonderful. Uh because oh, oh that's so good. Yeah. Back then we would say like, oh, we'd say weird that's something that would uh keep away from if we feel weird, we'd feel excluded. And that's very very independent. Yeah. It's still it's still relevant today, like people still keep away from us, but we, we're starting getting more comfortable with being ourselves, like in, in many different ways, like we're more inclusive. Uh, we can, we, we appreciate the difference uh, from one another more. And I think that's a, a, a good opportunity for us to take the weird as a bad connotation and, and, and see it's a good thing. Like it's weird and it's wonderful, it's good. And I think everybody, I, I think everybody is weird in, in the core, uh, but we, we grew up with this idea that we have to fit in the tribe, you have to fit it. So we, some people hide a lot more, and and and, and because of trauma and other stuff, they they want other people to hide too. But I think we're getting more and more comfortable being ourselves, and and I'm loving this. And see, my my kid has eight years old, and and now the kids are a lot more free being weird now than it was when I was younger. You know, my kid, uh, he 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 dresses the way he wants to dress. He he. He sees himself as a boy, but he he went to like Halloween dresses as Rapunzel and he loves it because Rapunzel was uh, wow. the one with the the skinner that was hitting the bad guys, you know, from from the <laughs> recent movie, and he loved it. And 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 my parents were kind of frictious because oh, he's dressing as as a girl. Who cares? He's having fun. It's yeah. it's, it's a fantasy, you know. And and everybody enjoyed it so much. And 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 when he grew out of it. Uh, he had a friend that was smaller, and his friends asked it for 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 the costume for it. Now he's he's wearing it, so it's it's great. And that's so cute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's really powerful. I mean, the more we embrace diversity, variety, the more we are richer for it. Because the more um, mindsets we can explore, the more oh, yeah. culture, yeah, the more stories we can tell. So it, weirdness is powerful. Yeah, and in more understanding we have of of the full reality i think uh yeah. it's something about gaming too like we we, we we've, when we make a game we make this model of reality that we're simulating and that's how we perceive the world too like the reality of the world is so vast and diverse that each individual only sees it from one angle and we build this model and we think the reality is this but mm. it's yeah. hell no like you see it from another angle you, you you come from another background and every person sees from different angle and we, when we are more accepting of these different angles, different models that people think, and we're starting to maybe get uh, get these models and try to implement with us and, and build things together and getting bigger, we have a, a fuller image of what reality is, right? And if, yeah. if we only accept our model, we only see a small portion of reality and, and really fooling ourselves, believing that, oh, this is... This is human experiencing, and and it's not, you know. And I think it can be so elevating for for the person to learn about this. I think it can be so good. I think people mm-hmm. limit themselves and 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 could really explore more. Even our we get to know ourselves by knowing other people. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's also why it's been wonderful seeing more RPGs come from different countries, different parts of the world, because they oh, also yeah. bring in some little pieces of their culture, some new perspective. And it's always so fascinating seeing all of these multitude of voices come together in the RPG space. So I hopefully it's a positive trend that will keep on going and growing. 
Yeah, I think so. I, every time I see, uh, I, I, I like, I, I like my American friends. I like United States. Every time I, I go to Gen Con, I love spending some time in New York because mm -hmm. it's so cosmopolitan and, and, and I love the food and, and I have great friends, but I have to say every time a non-American person wins an award for me, it's like fantastic because more people mm. have the, no, have the, have that on their head. Oh, they're redder reader sorry my pronunciation but they're reader oh there's some other person from this, some other place making this game that people are saying are really good so maybe i'll check it out and they get to a little glimpse of reality beyond uh their yeah. own right yeah yeah rpgs are pretty unique because it really brings in together different perspectives like i mentioned how games from different countries but also within the table because everybody's role-playing they're accepting a different facet of their personality and everybody at the table could also come from different backgrounds like because of yeah. the pandemic online rp rpg tables are now on the rise so that means yeah. you can be playing a game with an italian with a french person with somebody from southeast asia and very rarely will you have a hobby that will allow you to enjoy that kind of multiplicity yeah, I always hear in Brazil about uh, different styles of playing, like even from state from state, like we say that people from, from Rio de Janeiro, the state I am, played more loosely, more like goofy than people from Sao Paulo who are more serious oh. and stuff. Do you do you see this different play styles from even like, even same people, different people playing Dungeons and Dragons, for example, do you, oh. would you say there's a difference from the way Americans play it, from from people from Southeast Asia play, or from from Manila play it, or for some, from Brazil. I always hear that people from Brazil play differently. I I don't see a lot of difference, but I mean, I'm not <laughs> very good at social cues, you know. Uh, but you know, do, do you see any difference? Because I always hear that, and I'm always curious to see if other people realize different styles of playing, even the same games, mm -hmm. depending on the backgrounds of the people. Yeah, I think I've noticed, at least among the um, tables I've been into, a difference between Philippines and American role-playing games. Uh, for example, one of my games, uh, What Dust Remains, asks you to role-play the life of a main character through various stages of their life. When I was playtesting it with the Philippines group, they tended to be focused more on the mechanics and not so much on the role-play aspect. But when I played it with the Americans, the playtime got so long that we couldn't finish the game because they would act out the event and they would be very role-play heavy and that kind of role-play heaviness isn't something I've noticed here locally as much I think mm. we're shyer yeah 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 it's always I always I always start to relate to other things and it, it kind of makes me think about uh there's nothing to do but I a weird parallel that when we we think about our parents or the generations before they're very would say like mechanic focus on the curve. Oh, we're trying mm -hmm. to survive, get a job, do this. And they don't think about mental health. They don't think about being happy mm -hmm. or entertainment or, or being fulfilled. And because that's something uh, they're like trying to do. And and, and, and RPGs have been out, uh, around USA for a long time. And even though in Brazil, we have a delay, but it's not so much it's like about 10 years. There's a lot of different games, but it's still like a very nation thing here. 
And I would say a lot of game designers when talk about games always talk about mechanics too. And then and, and people always focus about like creating combos and combination mm -hmm. of skills and stuff. And I would maybe think maybe RPGs in there uh, haven't been around so much and people really focus on the game parts and even uh, it's still something new and trying to to play with this and maybe the role play is something that will come with with some time or, or do you think yeah. there's nothing to do with that? Um, yeah, it could also be a generational thing because we get yeah. exposed to different media, right? Different kinds of games. Like the earliest incarnation of D&D was more wargamey, but in the latest edition, it can give you inspiration points for yeah. everything. So that's kind of an evolution of the trend. And also, um, yeah, the different media we're exposed to affects that as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In the US, people are all making all narrative games now. And then and, and, and at least in Brazil, the popular are really are more the traditional ones. And so they see more mm -hmm. as RPGs as, as more the, the mechanic thing. So, uh. yeah. uh, one curious thing I have. Uh, do you do you have any main source of inspiration for your work? I, I mean, your art and your writing. Do you have uh, maybe a few artists, a few? It, it can be from RPGs or from any other media that you think inspires uh, your work in some way. Mm -hmm. um, for the game design, usually it's just day-to-day -day experiences. Like sometimes feeling the pang at the idea that someday our pets will leave us. Sometimes that gets translated into a team that could be the core of a game that I'll design. When it comes to illustration, I tend to really love the work of RK Post, who is a Magic the Gathering illustrator. So he makes this really dark, evocative images that um, have been a big inspiration for me, especially growing up. And I who, also who love the... Sorry? RK post. Ah, okay. Yeah. And there's also been some editorial um, illustration artists that I think one of the best kinds of illustration there is because they have to transform an article, a story, the essence of it into an illustration. And that's kind of problem solving in a way that I can really appreciate. So yeah. those are my main inspirations. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any any particular artist that you think it's it's a, a very good example or either uh, editorial illustration? Because you, you, you talked about the magical stage art post, but uh, do you have any editorial illustration that you really think uh, does a great job and and, and like sympathize these ideas and, and stories in, in images? Yeah, uh, my favorite is Victoria. She's a Hong Kong based illustrator. She has really evocative images that really translate the essence of the story into image in the paper. So if it, those, if, yeah. If I ask for 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 a link or anything, uh, could you could you send me it for I put on the show notes yes. for people to check it out. I, I'm curious to see too. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I did some some study on like editorial illustration. I had a professor illustrator, and I think it's really good. Like as you said, like this synthesizing of message or even hidden hidden meanings in there, and making an illustration that's that tells a story too. I think that's uh, really important, and 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 something that I really look for in, in illustrations in RPGs too. Like those illustrations that you can find 
uh, hidden things in an image, you know, you know, it's like, oh, here's an orc in a room, but there's an yeah. orc and there's like a rat into spider in the background and there's this, this yeah, picture yeah. and something happening there. Uh, I always find that fascinating and, and it's one of the things uh, that gets me with AI because AI can do this. The AI won't mm -hmm. hide stories in, in the image they make, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't know if you want to get into this because AI is, yeah, can be very triggering. It's spicy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's why I love editorial illustration and also children's illustrator. I don't have a particular yeah. children's illustration in mind, but that one is also a really inspiring line of creative yeah. work. Like, how do you translate? stories again um, into images but this time make it images that can resonate even if the reader doesn't have like um, a large vocabulary even if they don't have a lot of life experiences but how can you resonate with them and give them the emotions that can really accompany a story like these are the kind of really cool problem solving approaches that make me think ah I, I wish yeah. I could be an expert at these. I would be so cool. It would be so cool. Yeah. I, I, I studied children illustration for a lot. I, I even illustrated Ooh. some books for children. I, I wow. actually worked with award-winning children illustrators here in Brazil. Uh, wow. And one of the things that I love about children illustrators is that they, they tell the story together with the text. Sometimes part mm. of the message in the text, part of it in the, in the illustration. And either one wouldn't be complete without the other. And mm -hmm. that kind of, as you said about using this in RPGs, that would be really interesting to see RPGs that part of the, the information is not on the text, is only on the image. Mm -hmm. So you really have to have the two together. And, and, and yeah. it kind of makes me start thinking, how could I use that? And and, and, and for that, already I want to say thank you for, for giving, the, you know, helping us get to these ideas. And, and, and that's one of the great things I, I, I like about this podcast that people come here and then we started talking and have this great insight. So that's a fantastic way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also why sometimes art direction is so important. Like yeah. if the art consistently has a team or a core idea tying them together, then it becomes so much more impactful and so much more powerful. Um, that's kind of one of my regrets about art was that I felt like the art direction was not quite so strong. Um, they all had the similar style, the artworks, but I feel like I could have maybe be a little bit stronger in the art direction. So these are the things that keep me up all night, regretting things, yeah. <laughs> crying yeah. over the past. <laughs> we, I mean, we always think we can do better, but I mean, art, well, did I... I I'm from the from the outside. I mean, probably everybody has told you that the art direction is fantastic. The book is beautiful, or the stuff you make is. I, I was gonna ask, like, did you were you the art director completely? Did you make everything, or how how was the process of of building uh, the 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 art uh, identity of of Arc? Hmm. For Arc, it was actually pulling in images I drew over different years. So in a way, they weren't really um, a conscious decision of me to create new artwork for the book. It was a lot of my old art that were by happy, happy coincidence already could be thematically linked to several of the texts. So it was kind of a 
happy happenstance. Um, so in that way, the art direction is serendipity. <laughs> it was not conscious human effort. Yeah, but but I think I think artists especially we we have themes, we have stuff in mm -hmm. ourselves that we can't yeah. help but putting in a work that we've been doing like for years. Like I haven't been thinking I'm making primal quest, but I, I see elements of stuff that I'm making now in my earlier works. So maybe that's something uh, that happened to you, even though you were, you were not mm -hmm. thinking about making, or, or were you? I don't know. Were you thinking about ARC all these years, like slowly, slowly and slowly growing or something that's really more recent and, and, and realized that all the stuff that you have made over the years could fit that? Or how, how long have yeah. you been thinking about of making it? Consciousness, or or do you think in consciousness you were thinking about this too? Oh, uh, I think it was more recent. So the past stuff were all unconscious, and this kind of reminds me about the conversation I had. Somebody said to me, "Oh, you have a very distinct style." And I'm like, "I have a style? <laughs> I can't <Yeah>. tell." <laughs> we can't, but we do. We can't from the yeah. inside, but from the outside, people can see our style. Yeah. Yeah, that's so wild, right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's kind of like how we how we don't see our face but then people can see it from the outside like pretty wild how sometimes our very own ways of creating are blind to us yeah yeah there's there's this great line in the in the book that i uh, it's basically the bible my bible is called still like an artist that says mm -hmm. you don't have to think about style what will unify your work is that you you've done it in Unconscious, you have a style, you have themes, you have something mm. that uh, unconscious will repeat through your work, I think. And then and, and sometimes yeah. when you find it, when you realize what it is, you, you can you can focus on it. But I think you, we don't have to worry so much about it. It will come out uh, naturally, I think. Do, yeah. do, do you agree with that or no? Do you, do you now yeah. see a style or, or you still can't see you're just I, making? I still style. can't see. <laughs> But um, it was kind of funny because when I was younger, I was distinctly trying to have a style. Like yeah. I would see an artist I admire, they're like, I'm going to draw like him from now on. I'll make sure that all of my artwork aligns with that artist's vision and how they did it. But it happened several times for different artists over different time periods. I think they kind of blended together. And yeah. um, miraculously, I guess they helped actually give me a style of my own that's yeah, kind of yeah. interesting yeah <laughs> uh, uh, Mimitos, talking about arc a little bit uh what would you say is your favorite word thing about it if, if you arc have arc? Ar arc the the the, the rpg the game the, the doom yeah <laughs> okay the game. Uh, what yeah, would, um... would you say it's it's the weirdest or or even of all of the games you made uh what would be your favorite weird thing about your work oh i think it has to be the magic system in art because when you use up magic um you have to do small rituals to replenish it some of those rituals can be very interesting my favorite one is where you have to eat a door <laughs> and i keep thinking to myself oh i all all i wanted all along was a way to sneak eating a door into my game and i finally <laughs> succeeded <laughs> Uh, there's also some rituals like burying some teeth in the ground under the full moon. And that kind of mechanic, adding those rituals, made me really exercise my creative muscles. So I am really, really proud and really enjoyed that process. 
Yeah, uh, um, you've really made an effort to incorporate in real life doing stuff with, with the game, right? And it's it's something that a lot of games don't do, and 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 I think it's very interesting to finally realize we the medium we're exploring is with live people, with live people that can do real stuff, and very little games take advantage of this, and I, I find it very satisfying to to find someone that's really took it oh we're here we're sitting at the table we can see each other we can do stuff with our our bodies we're, we're here we're present mm-hmm. and i think that's that's even great and i how I, I talk about spirituality and mindfulness and stuff and, and it's a way to to have a mindful rpg like we're here and i'm, I'm doing stuff i'm not just yeah. on my head i'm i'm completely here and and that's that's incredible! Congratulations for 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 doing this. How how did you come up with with this? Have you seen any anyone else, any any other game doing this, or was it just like a great insight that you had? Um, it did have a lot of inspiration from games like I think Blades of the Dark, and also um, the Nightmares Underneath, which is a game that I really really love. But um, I think the process of getting really into it feeling the vicarious experience of being actually there and like moving with your body moving with your own uh, identity in the game that i think arose a bit more organically um so there weren't any direct inspirations it just happened i think also from my desire to kindle that same kind of experience yeah wow it's it's very unique and and, and fascinating and then for gamers that focus on ritual and, and in magic and this kind of stuff i think it can be very very enriching i, I have some ideas for for primal quest like doing you know uh like tattoos of watercolor pencils so like body painting you know so that's going to be something that you can make it very easily and you can just wash away but it can something that one player can do in another and then bind the, the the table together i think that's something uh, I would love to see more games trying and 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 and, and seeing your game do it and really inspiring for me to to try because I was I was really thinking about should I do that maybe people won't like to do things in real life and seeing like other games that do it so well uh, give me a little bit more courage to to try this so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's fantastic. Um, another example where I think uh, interacting with the game text is like a physical manifestation is I think in Borgborg, if you complete the seventh yeah. prophecy, you have to burn the book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I think that's really badass. I can't badass. do that. Yeah, I can't do that because it's <laughs> it's, it's very hard to get the book enough. here. Yeah, if it was easier <laughs> to get the book here, maybe. Yeah, but if if I burn it to get another one, it's it's gonna mm. be hard, <laughs> but that that's a, a fantastic thing to do. And, and and when you see people doing this, you you see people burn the books. That's that must be a really fantastic feeling for the designer to see. Like oh, really, people took yeah. this right. It must be fantastic. I don't know. <laughs> Romatos, yeah, are you? Cool. Yeah, are are you working on on, on anything new? I, I I have the adventures one for art. Are you working on a new project that you would like to talk about? And if you are, could you share any small word detail that's been fascinating you about this? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to be releasing The Marvelous Children of Inanguri. It is a world-making game 
of pension wow. traders and the best living chimera that you call home. So you will be playing as factions living atop a vast majestic creature known only as Inanguri. So she could have the head of a mushroom, the body of a turtle, or the head nice. of a lion, the body of a coral. And you will have lots of creative events that will evolve the landscape and will force you to prioritize your needs versus the needs of the many. So I'm really proud of it. I think it's a really cool game. It's like a, it's like a mythical, fantastic kind of Sin City living being in tabletop. Yeah. Nice. And yeah, and then you try to keep her alive unless you're a traitor, in which case your goal is to hasten her device. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. It's going to be like a book or a board game. How, how are you presenting yeah. this? It's a 64-page scene. Okay. So right now, the digital release is happening on November 13th. And okay. until December 12th, all proceeds will go to Doctors Without Borders. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember the, the, the Doctors Without Borders. And, well, yeah, of course, we, we should have links to this. And it sounds really, really interesting. And, and do you think... Uh, people would be able to use this this setting, this creature, this this world they're creating to then play in their fantasy game. They, they like to play like as adventurers, or, or how how do you see people using this beyond the game? Do yeah. Um, in one of the playtests, one of the players told me, you know, we could actually use it in our D&D game because we were yeah. able to build a civilization that had political factions, yeah. that had history behind it, that had many challenges and tension points, and they yeah. felt like they could take this world and play it beyond the playtest. Yeah, because I, I was imagining being an adventurer and seeing this creature just approaching on the horizon, saying, yeah. what the hell is that? We have to check that out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. It could be fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Momentos, did uh what would you say is the weirdest thing? If first of all, do you think RPGs are weird? And if you if they are, what do you say is the weirdest thing about them? And if you like this. <laughs> Sorry, did you hear me? <laughs> Else can you roleplay? Oh yes, I did. Oh, yeah. Okay, let me repeat that then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think RPGs are definitely weird because where else can you role play an identity different from yourself, go on adventures, get skills and experience in a world you've never been in? I think it's really, really weird. Yeah, yeah. You have the opportunity to be someone else and, and, and every time you can you can be someone else, right? That's, yeah, that's pretty, pretty weird for me too. Absolutely. Do you have any any kind of? Do you usually play as as a referee or GM, or do you play as a player a lot? Um, usually as a player, because <laughs> I like leaving worlds, and sometimes I get stressed making worlds for others. Oh, okay. So I'm yeah. a very selfish player that way. <laughs> do you have any kind of? uh character you usually like to make or do you have any affinity for kind of characters or do you always like to explore very different personalities every time you you sit down to play um when it comes to like dungeons and dragons i usually play a chaos sorcerer 
because I love rolling on random tables and making random things happen, like uh, casting a fireball suddenly on the spot. And that just tickles my fancy a lot. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of makes magic a lot magical, a lot more surprising and chaotic too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for me, for, for D&D, like sorcerers and then this kind of magic, especially something that's not wizard because we just seems very scientifically like, oh, I... I take this, I decorate, and I, I release it, and kind of makes me feel magic a lot, no magical, and and, and I think sorcerers in mm. other classes make it more chaotic and and surprising in some way, kind of more attractive. Yeah, that's something that I like about DCC RPG of, of the magic system all chaotic, and mm. every time you cast, it's completely chaos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's also what I like about OSR. Sometimes you don't even know what spell you'll get. And sometimes you can miscast at something horrible, but fun thing will happen. Yeah. And sometimes it's terrible, but somehow you you manage to fight some news into that. You know, I, I love those yeah. those games that gives you weird items that you first you first yeah, look yeah. at it and I have no idea how I'm gonna use this. And then you're in like in a dairy situation in the middle of a JFRO. I know I'm gonna use this and throw at him and then we'll <laughs> block it or something and, and it works. It's it's great. Yeah. <laughs> this, this natural thinking, problem solving and not just using mm-hmm. powers. It's something that really attracts me in in, in this this game's remake. Like the rules are simple and the world is it's it's catastrophic and and then we just have to figure it out oh I would use this this rotten cheese and maybe the smell <laughs> will, will make the villain vomit or something. I don't know. They they always try something completely outrageous and then and, and we make it yeah. work because it's fun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Talking about this these weird things that happen, uh what would you say would be the weirdest game you played or a weird game you played recently that uh left you an impression that that you wouldn't like to share with us. It can be either like a game session or really a weird game you played. Um, the weirdest game and I think the most fun game I've ever read was, I think the title was You're Stuck and Your Roommate is Adam Driver. Um, I may have <laughs> mangled the title, but that's basically the gist I heard of it. about it. So, yeah, I love that. Um, and... Adam Driver, your roommate, is writing a screenplay and is asking you to review it. And you basically <laughs> roll dice to see if it's weird, if you make the right review for it, if you're still friends <laughs> after it. And it's such a fun concept. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna be really, really, really weird. Like, did you like Adam Driver? I, I know some movies about him, but I I, I watch some comedy shows and I. I, I know he, he sometimes appears there and like I like John Oliver and I remember one one of the seasons like they were always joking about Adam Driver being hot or something like in the end he would appear there and, and uh, very very interesting did you play that how how was gameplay how was your Adam Driver I didn't play it ah. <laughs> I didn't play it I regret that I was more savoring the reading yeah. experience yeah. imagining the multitude of ways I could be Adam Driver's roommate yeah and and do you find any 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 cool thing about this weird game that you could steal to make something of your own oh because that's something I always do I don't know if you do too but every time I'm reading a game oh I can steal this oh this I can maybe I could use 
differently to some other effects or something like this? Did you find anything interesting that you could maybe still later like put in your in your graveyard to make a front thing yeah. a few years from now? I think I really liked how it generated the screenplays. So like the creativity of the prompts and the ideas oh, that nice. definitely goes into my graveyard. <laughs> yeah, generating screenplays, it's it's great. Like I always I have this idea of making games inspired by pop culture. Uh, I love mm. Like sitcoms and siphon and stuff. I I wanted to make a like a sitcom, a game about nothing, and Ooh. you know, you would just have like, you'd have to make other people laugh at the table, and you'd have like attributes like physical comedy or sarcasm or like mm -hmm. witty comebacks or something very. And adventure would be oh, you'd go to the movies and there is this kid behind you just kicking your 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 chair, yeah. you know. And that's that's the adventure, you know? how how we're gonna watch the movie and the kids just you know and someone is chewing popcorn so loud and you know just stupid things like this. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, that sounds yeah. fun. Yeah, and, and maybe you could generate a screenplay through this. It could be useful. <laughs> I don't know. Momentos, <laughs> uh, talking about uh, another weird experiences you you might have had recently. We talked about uh, games you played. Uh, when maybe did you have any how was this year for you how weird has been 2023 to you uh, so far it's been wonderfully weird uh, this year I went to Big Bad Con uh, oh, my yeah. very first um, Big Bad Con I've ever been to and it was fantastic meeting other game designers uh, playing games with people very weirdly being in a photo shoot because the opportunity came up and I said I wanted to have a photo shoot of myself. So that was my weird experience uh, being in a panel. It's just so many fun experiences. Uh, I think it's definitely one of my top moments of this year. Wow, nice. Yeah, I, being in a convention is so good. Like I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like, uh, like going back to my people somehow you know people that understand the stuff that i like the stuff that i love yeah. that kind of speak speak the same language like of course i love my family of my friends here and we play and stuff but there's just something that they don't understand in this obsession <laughs> that i have i don't know and when i when i went to gen con like i i was 88 eight months without ba basically being able to make creative stuff like i would write a little bit and draw but i was really in a in a dry spell and Gen Con kind of recharged me like seeing all these people being able to talk and to mm -hmm. share ideas and when I come back and I'm, I'm, I'm being able to write to draw to, to make stuff and I'm making this podcast kind of in a way in a in a silly attempt to continue Gen Con mm -hmm. and having this conversation with amazing creators like you and be able like to to share and and, and have great ideas that like we're having here and like you're learning a lot from you as I learned from the people I met. So uh, yeah, mm -hmm. conventions and then seeing our peers, like our people that uh, work with us and inspires us to, it's kind of uh, recharging our, our batteries. I don't know if, if you feel the yeah. same way, but uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that also means that I don't have to explain what the DDRPG is anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows what it is. It's like, ah, liberation. <laughs> I read <Yeah>. my people. <laughs> Do do you see yourself explaining what you do a lot to the people? Um, to my 
family. Because <laughs> ah, okay. um, they they don't really play RPGs um, or board games. So sometimes they ask, what are you doing exactly? And why are you always on social media about it? And I have to explain <laughs> what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a necessary evil like social media, right? I mean, I always I always choose like, oh, I, I have to get out of here, but I can't. Like we we make stuff and there's a way for people to know. I don't know. Sometimes yeah. uh, it feels too much, but yeah. Talking yeah, about for... oh yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, and... What do you think about social media? What, what's your relationship to these <laughs> <laughs> things? Uh, for better or for worse, I've met a lot of good friends over social media. Oh yeah. So if it disintegrates, I'll be very, very sad because then I will lose the space where I met them and would have met more people. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's always this balance for me. Like we meet all these people. Like I, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't mm. for social media, right? Like I wouldn't be yeah. anywhere uh, that I am today in RPGs without social media. So yeah, I'm 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 talking shit. I don't know what I'm talking about, but having anxiety also <laughs> social media. It's like a really source of of bad stuff that's happening, and I keep this spiraling and kind of stuff. And I always always this feels obligation to always be promoting what we do and sometimes we're just mm -hmm. oh i can't i just want to do something you know and, and yeah. but yeah it's it's really hard to balance i think because sometimes mm. we I, I i feel i feel sucked into it from sometimes especially when i'm doing a new thing like when i started doing the podcast i was oh i have to promote it and let people know that i'm doing this mm -hmm. and then i see myself spending hours on, on, on the cell phone i say oh I, i can't i have to get out of this i i have a life i have family i wanna i wanna experience life too i don't know yeah if you if you if yeah. you get do you do you see yourself getting sucked into social media from time to time or do you have a wealth a healthy balance uh with it Yeah, I think I tend to go to social media a lot because um, I sometimes feel I'm a bit sheltered in real life, so my outlet has become social media. But it's kind of exacerbating the problems. The more I get into social media, the more I become sheltered in real life and the more I have to feel like I have to yeah. take refuge in social media, right? So it's kind of not a healthy balance at the moment. So hopefully going out more, um, having more spaces to meet more friends in real life, would have a more healthy balance for the situation yeah. do you have a lot of friends in real life where you live because that's one of the issues i think here like i have a lot more of course everybody has a lot more friends in the internet and in real life but i mean mm. i had a lot of friends here that just moved so they are not in the city anymore so i have mm. just a few and everybody's busy and and, and and it's hard for me to connect in real life because There's there isn't mm. a lot of people here. How how is it for you there? Yeah, um, in a way, it's kind of also a challenge I have keeping up friendships. Like uh, meeting new people is sometimes much easier than maintaining the relationship, and that's kind of where I've been failing. And I wish I could improve on this so so much. Keeping up friends from college, keeping up with friends I met in. Um, local conventions and groups because they are really lovely people and yeah. I feel like those relationships deserve so much more yeah yeah maintaining stuff I 
I sometimes myself, oh, I haven't talked to that person a long time, and I, I mm -hmm. try to send in a message, and sometimes they're like, oh, why well, I've sent a message for what? But they, maybe they they are busy, they don't like to hear. But I think getting mm -hmm. in our heads too much thinking about this stuff. But yeah, we we definitely should try to be more 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 there for the friends we have now, right? That's something. Yeah. That made me me think about this now too, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And why do you think it's it, it's so hard to like to to maintaining this these friendships? Do you think we get sucked in, in the stuff that we like? You know, like 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 you say we're thinking about RPGs, we think about game, we think about art, and we're just sheltering here. Mm -hmm. And then and, and when we when we get out of it, oh yeah, I have friends, but oh it's too late now. And and the next day it's, it's something like this. How do you? Yeah. How do you think it, it gets to that point that we're thinking it's hard to to maintain this this mm. these things for us? Do you do you ever think about this or no? Sometimes, sometimes. I mean honestly, I think it might just be inertia. Like one day um you don't communicate with them and that one day becomes two days, becomes yeah. one week, becomes one month, and now it's been five years since you last contacted that friend <laughs> you said you were gonna yeah. meet up for coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it kind it's of exactly snowballs, like that. right? Yeah. I just like, remember uh, a friend now, like you said, 12 years like, oh my god, oh, no. it's been years since I talked to him and I like <laughs> them so much. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And Mamitos, now talking about other weird things, uh, and, and and remembering uh, these friends and it kind of made me feel the experience I, I seek and have you ever had any any kind of those experiences of uh, altering perception and awareness, uh, be it with I don't know meditation or hypnosis or psychedelics mm -hmm. or anything that made you see reality in in a new way that made you think mm -hmm. about your life? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I am actually really afraid of having those kind of altered experiences. Uh, so a bit of a background for me, um, I was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. So it's kind of a mix between bipolar and schizophrenia. So it has uh, mood swings, but also has some uh, psychotic elements in it. And part of the reason why I'm scared of altered experiments is that yeah. maybe it won't switch off for me. And I'm really paranoid about that. But when I hear about others doing it, I feel like, oh, I'm so envious of them. I'm just too scared to do it, but maybe I can live through them and yeah. be um, and just be aware of how awesome it is for them. Hello, weirdos. This is Diogo Nogueira, and I'm back with a word from our sponsors. Me. I just released a new game called Cosmosaurus, in which you play a dinosaur space ranger who protects the galaxy from evil threats such as slime bankers, undead pirates and cosmosaurus from a void dimension. It's a game with a rooms light system inspired by Forge in the Dark and Lasers and Feelings. Uh, it comes with a bunch of tables for you to generate content for it. If you know my games, they are really easy to play and they have tools to help you improvise and play with low prep. It's an ideal game for one-shots, short campaigns and introducing new people to the hobby. And it's a really perfect family game. I play with my kids all the time. It's a game inspired by Saturday morning cartoons. 
It's really well illustrated uh, by Lukas Kowalski from Poland and with a great layout by Guilherme Gontijo. It's a really fun game. You should check it out on DriveThruRPG, itch.io or exclusively in print on ExaltedFurner.com. I have many other games there, check them out. All the links are in the show notes, so click there. And let's get back to Weird with our chat. But do you think even like meditation or anything would trigger uh, this? Or I, I mean, of course, like substances is, you know, better mm-hmm. better be safe, you know. But I mean, have you ever tried anything like uh, stillness, mindfulness or anything, you know? Yeah. If, if, um, if you think that's necessary for you. Very, yeah. very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mindfulness has been very good, yeah, especially for anxiety, uh, and some depressive thoughts. It's been really helpful for me. I just have to remember to practice it. <laughs> practice yeah. it. And sometimes I forget. And then when I try it again, it's like, how? <laughs> how do yeah. I do this again? I keep getting distracted. How do I become yeah. mindful again? <laughs> yeah. Do you have any any mindful practice that you try to do, even, even irregularly, uh, that's helped you mm. before? Yeah, um, sometimes just thinking about how this too will pass and how making thoughts just filter into my mind without judgment and just yeah. observing from afar but not making any yeah, value judgment about it. Um, those kinds of approaches have been really helpful for me in yeah. keeping my mindfulness intact. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have this desire to, to tattoo in like my arm, this too shall pass. Is something that really, really <laughs> helps me. Actually, yeah. my my partner just came back from a trip and she tattooed this two show pads on on the on her Ooh. arm. And, yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> something that really helped me, and you know, because I'm excited and I studied, I tried to study a little bit of stoicism that helps me Ooh. think things through, and 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 mm. it's really help. Mindfulness helps me a lot. And one thing that I'm trying to do sometimes is go for a walk. And like without hearing anything, no headphones, and just trying to feel like the 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 floor behind my feet, the clothes, um, the weight of the clothes on my body, and, and hear the sounds and being like more present, and then getting out of our heads because a lot of times we get in our heads, we get thinking, oh, I have to do this, oh, this is a problem, I have to deliver this, this is late, oh, the kid is yes. sick or everything, and and we 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 can't even feel alive, you know, we're just we're just controlling these meat puppets with our minds and and, mm. and that's like that's really bad i don't know it, when when I, i have this opportunity to feel my body and feel that i'm i'm, I'm alive and not just ideas it's really uh calms me mm. down somehow yeah i don't know if that's something that you're seeking in mind yeah, it's really yeah. good although <laughs> yeah it sounds really metal when you said controlling meat bodies with our mind that sounds like a really cool power <laughs> <laughs> like you could telepathically yeah. control meat stacks. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. being grounded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> being grounded is really, really a good feeling to have. Yeah, yeah. Well, talking about well, maybe other weird experiences. Have you ever had any kind of out of body experience? Maybe like in a dream, or like you were waking up, or have you ever? Uh, had a near-death experience uh, that you could share with any kind of depression? Have you any had any any weird experience uh, like this or no? Mm. 
Yeah, I think I've had some dreams where it was almost lucid dreaming, but not quite, where I was aware that I was dreaming and I was there in person, but I never actually broke the surface and managed to make full control of my dreams. It happens from time to time. It doesn't have a recurring theme, but it's always such a strange, funny feeling when it happens. Yeah. Do you, do you usually remember the dreams or how, how is your, your dreams usually? I remember remembering that it was a dream. Like I remember thinking to myself, oh, I made a dream. Um, this is so strange. But then I can't actually consciously control my actions in that dream. It, I'm just like experiencing it as an outsider yeah. within my yeah. own dream. Yeah. yeah. That Maybe it's, it's like in those stories, like you first experience and then you start to control it. And then like in some years, it will be like, oh, yes, I can do this and that and change everything. <laughs> I'll be a powerful dream wizard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dream wizard. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you do you believe in anything supernatural? Have you ever, I don't know, seen a ghost or alien, UFOs, werewolves, anything like this? Yeah. Um, in the Philippines, especially in the provinces, there's a very strong belief in the supernatural, like dwarves that you have to pay respects to when you're passing, um, creatures in the trees that can trick you into getting lost in the mountains so in a way I kind of really enjoyed those stories um, I'm not sure if I believe in them but I think they are really wonderful things to have in our world like even if I don't believe in them even if I believe in them or not if they exist in this world I think that will be a really cool thing and I hope to one day see it with something like that yeah yeah so you have, haven't seen any kind of spirits like seeing a ghost or feeling something weird at night or seeing lights in the sky? No, I think the weirdest yeah. have been um, seeing poop in the cat's litter box, but not being sure whose cat it was, <laughs> which cat it was. That yeah. was the most mysterious thing that happened to me the past month. <laughs> well, cats can be like super weird. We have four here and they it's true. every Ooh. time they they come up <laughs> with something new that's like you you did never did that. Why are you doing this now? And and do you have cats and how how weird do you, do you find your cats and can you share any any weird thing uh one of your cat do? Yeah. Yes. Um there's two cats. Uh we believe they're always plotting together to overthrow us. <laughs> One cat is especially dramatic. Um, she always begs for food. And sometimes we think it's her wailing, like suffering, despair. <laughs> I will starve forever. And no yeah. cat, you just had food an hour ago. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I have one just like that. Every time like we put food and like an hour later, mm. I just gave you food. <laughs> <laughs> and do do any the other one has any any kind of weird weird things that do because i have i have this cat that i call him carrot <laughs> he's not orange <laughs> he's black but he he thinks he's a he's a, a pirate parrot he's always jumping and saying on my shoulder so i call him mm -hmm. carrot because he's like a cat parrot you know <laughs> and every... no the the other cat is a completely normal cow cat, loves to sleep, 
uh, mysteriously between my partner's legs because apparently that's the most comfortable place in the world. Yeah. Yeah, well, but that that's a little bit of weird. Like, what happens if your partner wants to like change position at night? It's always happens to me. Like, oh, I want to change, but and the cat complains. You know, yeah. you're moving. <laughs> it's my bed, cat. Get out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, like the joke but, that they're living the best lives. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they are. They completely are. We have this cat that's always on our bed, always sleeping. Just get out, get up, eat, and do the things in, in the little box and just come back. And always on our bed, you know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. <laughs> Tomatoes, if you if you could have any superpower in the world, uh, what would you choose to have and what would be the first thing you would do with it? Oh, I haven't thought of that question in a while. Um, oh, <laughs> there's a really boring one. But I wish I could have teleportation so I would no longer be stuck in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, so so I could like meet with my friends with, or with my mom who lives several cities away or with my grandma who lives like in an island south in the Philippines. Um, I haven't seen her in years, but having teleportation would be really good in meeting her again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, of course, like the first thing you, you thought about was was traffic. And then that's yeah. that's very cool. And, and, and of course, like we, we could visit the people we love, but it's I, I love how you <laughs> first went, like, I have to solve this problem that I have. It's traffic. So, yeah. So how do you get a lot of traffic? Uh, where you live and and and, and oh, yeah. yeah do you like driving I, I i hate driving because of traffic and, and like finding spots to park but uh how is your relationship with driving and in and, and traffic <laughs> that made you choose this power yeah uh i take cabs sometimes and the traffic is insane like it makes me dizzy it makes me wait so long there's a lot of angry people on the road so yeah. it's an unpleasant experience for everybody involved yeah 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 it's, well, my, my greatest worry is that some people just lose it and then they can get really stressed mm. for like small things and yeah and yeah i wasn't really get really nervous on traffic like with losing this time but i don't know Thanks for podcast. Now you can listen to cool people talk about stuff that you like when you're in traffic. <laughs> well, but when mm -hmm. I'm when I'm in traffic with my kids, and then then that's a problem because he he won't listen to stuff mm -hmm. that I want to listen. So yeah, and but now he he's really into. I don't know if you have ever heard about this band called Glory Glory Hammer, which is like this no. I don't know heavy metal, death metal kind of melodic stuff. And he's eight years old, and like. Wow. How the hell did you got into this? <laughs> you know, and sometimes you're like in traffic, everything is stopping, and you're like, oh, da, 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 da. You know, I can't. Can we stop this, please? Romitos, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, another weird, like, whimsical question of this is mm. if you could make any. Any weird, fantastical, supernatural thing, or even science fiction thing, real in, in the world we live in, uh, what would it be, and why you would choose this? Mm, that's a good question. A weird or supernatural thing that's happening. Um, 
you know, I kind of want to see aliens visit our Earth. I'm really, really curious about what's out there, if there's life out there. Um, and I think that would also um, help us hopefully gain perspective on the universe and the role in it if we see aliens. And I think it would be very existential uh, for a lot of people to see that we're not alone in the universe if that happens. But in a way, it's kind of a comfort as well because there are others like us out in the universe. That would be something really welcoming to experience. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, sure. So you are probably more hopeful with this visit than, than pessimistic. Do you think humanity would see this as, as a sign that we are not alone and we are not the center, so we have to come together and make this the best that we can for everybody? Or do you think it would be, you don't think it would be devolving to us against them kind of mentality, do you? Uh, I think there will be many efforts to harmonize with them, but unless there is a lot of really, really hard work and effort into that, we will devolve into us versus them. Yeah. It's that's that's scary because we're <clears throat> we are not very good in accepting ourselves. So accepting, yeah. you know, them, it's kind of wow, it's yeah. I think we have a lot of like like work to do still. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> it, it would be hopeful because we see those stories about the astronauts that would you know like they get out and they look at Earth and they see how small. Our for problems, mm. our for rivers, our for you know problems are, and and and, and we keep we keep doing the same thing for thousands of years, like the same problems. We're killing each other for the same stupid reasons, and and and, and maybe mm. seeing another people that come together and and and, and are is exploring the universe and, and seeing what else is out there maybe they already solved this problem for them and maybe they could teach us how mm. to you know be like them yeah that's that's the idea you're, you're thinking right or no yeah or at the very very least it'll be like two curious creatures seeing each other and learning about each other yeah, yeah. hopefully yeah <laughs> Momentos, uh one of the Last questions I I ask people is, do you do you remember uh, the last time you felt really really ha happy and and grateful to be here and alive and and everything like this? And if you do, can you share with us a little bit so you can we can be with you in this moment somehow? Um. Yeah. Um. I hope you'll forgive me. I'll be recycling a bit of my answer. I think. I felt really, really happy at Big Bad Con because again, I was like with my people, yeah. um, enjoying games and feeling really um, centered and grounded in that moment because I could enjoy the things that I love, meeting new people, um, having new experiences. Uh, it's just a convention, just with air quote marks, but somehow having that opportunity to really find people you can connect with. That made me feel connected with the world, with uh, myself, especially. So that was an yeah. experience I was really grateful for. Yeah, that's, it's, it's great. You you feel part of, of something bigger than yourself, right? Like I'm, yeah. I'm part of this community, these people, and we're here together making something 
I don't know, greater and and it's a great Absolutely. answer. I'm really, really happy for, for this. And anyway, uh, I, I forgot I, I skipped something. Uh, and then I would like to talk about maybe spirituality or religion or philosophy that you you might have and might help you guide you through life. Uh, do you do you have any religion or do you, do you feel spiritual in any way? Mm. Um, I don't really have a religion, but I think there are many mysteries in the world that could be um, appreciated and explored and probably not understood. So maybe there are some mysteries that are meant to be understood, just meant to be experienced and accepted as they are. So I think that is mostly the extent of my spiritualism. Do you, do you have any example or any, any kind of experience or, or mystery that even if you had or you would like to explore in some way? Uh, some just seemingly mundane mysteries like why do the orcas attack the ships? Why do um, schools of fish look so harmonious and beautiful when they swim around? Why do some birds look majestic when they dive down for the food? Um, yeah. Why do capybaras socialize? <laughs> Just small, mundane, but yeah. some oftentimes natural things like that. Yeah. I think they are beautiful and mysterious in their own way. Yeah, for sure. Do you do you find yourself thinking about this kind of stuff a lot, or do this kind of feels like kind of meditation, kind of philosophy, kind of questions mm -hmm. for you to like to mm -hmm. to see it? in the mountains and just think about this kind of stuff or or how do how do you come with these questions and these reflections and do mm. this affect your life in a way do you do you think that makes you more empathetic with with life in general than with people mm. i think that you should come to me when i think you're absolutely right when during um, meditative moments in the solitude of the night with um nothing to distract me but thinking about the mysteries of the world, those are the times when those questions happen. I, as for how they affect me in my life, I think it makes me really appreciative of the nature of life, of the interconnectedness of everything. But I don't know if it affects me in my interactions with people. Uh, if it has, its effect is just as mysterious as its nature. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it makes you feel more appreciated and it makes you feel some gratitude for for being here and being mm -hmm. alive, and 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 I think that really has an impact on on your overall happiness and joyful. And 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 when these are like in balance, uh, you're a lot more empathetic with people. Oh, mm -hmm. we have this saying here because of the kid and 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 he has ASD and. Uh, things that out makes him nervous and, and we say that his cup is feeling, feeling, feeling and gets full and mm -hmm. the smallest things can like tip him off and he loses control or, or stuff and, and I think when he, and you get this this time for, for the solitude in the night as you said like solitude of the night, be still and, and be able to think and to reflect of those things that helps us, you know uh take the water off our cups and when we leave it open for more stuff that we can absorb. And I, I think mm -hmm. that probably helps you deal with people, with situations maybe you are not comfortable or or being more patient and more loving uh, because you mm -hmm. had time to to ponder on those things and be grateful uh, mm -hmm. for, for this, uh, I think. 
I don't know if yeah. you agree with this, but it's something that I've I've been feeling and then reading about and then like Ooh. to share. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the very least, it makes you want to be a poet. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> at least for me, it helps me relax. I mean, uh, the things mm -hmm. about you know anxiety and stuff, and then sometimes I get really nervous and then get paralyzed. So every every small thing that helps me, you know. As you said, to feel my body again and get out of the, this mind controlling this meat puppet, yeah. uh, it, it helps me a lot. Mm -hmm. And talking about reading and, and things, uh, something I, I did not ask you, uh, are you reading anything interesting or watching any show, uh, any weird show or weird book or weird movie that you recently uh, consumed or watched that wouldn't like to share with us and point us out to to get to know any cool weird thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been trying to reread some of my favorites from a while back. Uh, I think Milan Kunderos Unbearable Lightness of Being. I'm just starting again. I've forgotten so much from my last read through, but I remember the feeling of solitude and. Um, being aware of yourself as you exist in the world. And that kind of wonder, that kind of feeling is something that was kind of transformative for me as a young adult and something that I'm really looking forward to reading again as I go over the book once more. Yeah, yeah. So you, you read it years ago and now you're thinking about reading again about all these experiences you might have. And it's yeah, yeah. it's it's okay. really great when you when we we get to re-examine things that had an impact on our life after like years mm -hmm. of experience. And I don't know, people are saying, "Oh, getting old is terrible." Like, I feel great again. I'm almost forty, 40 <laughs> years old, and I feel mm -hmm. a lot more wise and calmer, and being able to appreciate, as you said, like appreciate the small things, appreciate things that years ago I, I totally take for granted. And yeah, it's it's like this, and 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 it's very important to do what you do, like seek these moments of solitude, and you know, perceive small things that are working out for you. One of the things that I'm I started to do a couple of days ago, because of of these feelings of trying to be more grateful for stuff. It's like every time I go to bed at night, I I note three things on my notebook that went well for me today. It's not things that I'm grateful for, because. Uh, when we think about being grateful, we can stay here for hours thinking, oh, I'm grateful for my family, for <laughs> my kids, for the food I have, for being able to sleep. Mm -hmm. But it, when, when we think about really practical, three things that went well for me today. Oh, I had this great breakfast. Mm. Uh, my kids really gave me a great hug when we were on the pool. And late at night, uh, this really great comedy special released and I wasn't expecting it. I watched it and I loved it. Just... Small things, and when we start noticing those small things, we we start noticing more freely the good things, and we we feel more happy. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, mm -hmm. and it's something that's really preoccupies me with my kid. Yeah. And I want I want him to be happy, and and, and it's really a trading, you know, to notice the small things that that can help us feel better. I don't know. Yeah, and that's yeah. a lot of what you're saying. Really awareness. Effective. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. You're, it's a really. Oh, it's a really effective um, technique. Yeah. 
yeah, I know it's two days trying, and, and I'm, I'm gonna see how it goes. But it's it, that, that thing, as you said, like we start doing, oh, I have this notebook I'm doing like for three months, and I go to travel, and then I forget completely. But yeah, that's oh, no. I'm, I'm gonna try again. <laughs> you can do it, yeah. Well, tomatoes, that uh, that's worth all the questions I, I had prepared. Uh, I want to say, I'm really thank you you for being here we had a great talk and we you helped me have some great insights and things uh, for me to think about uh, so i'm going to think about them and do you have anything you want to say to the weirdos out there that are listening to us having this these strange talks <laughs> um I guess to echo what we talked about earlier, please stomp on your sketch friends. <laughs> Don't be afraid to make dirty marks all over your notebooks. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. that's where you really get the fun of it. Yeah, yeah. Go make stuff, make bad art, uh, be weird, be wonderful. And, and yeah, and yeah, keep it weird, everybody. Thank you for listening to Weird Games and Weirder People. If you'd like to keep up with the show, please subscribe to be notified when we release new episodes. If you'd like to support us, please leave a review or head on to code-fi.com slash WGNWP. See you next time and remember, weird is the new wonderful.